we are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe. He's, he's sick. Get well, Abe. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentaries or something completely different. And this is one of our fun commentaries. It is November 2018, so that means it is this month's time for commentating. And this month we are going with Toy Story the first film of Pixar. They're full-length features. You know Toy Story. I don't know why I'm trying to like ex- <laughs> go into what Toy Story is. You got it. What is this Toy Story? <laughs> yeah. We're talking Toy Story. That's the point, which should be the title of the podcast, Talking Toy Story. But here we are. Joining me to discuss Toy Story, we have from Wise the Blue and the Colson McCavalcade podcast, he is a child's play thing. It's Brandon Peters. To infinity and beyond. Tonight. Yes. Hello. <laughs> From Forbes, back from poisoning the waterhole, it's Scott Mendelson. <laughs> Always a pleasure. I have no witty retort for that because I was caught off guard. And from New York and occasionally Disney World, a real hockey puck, it's Maxwell Haddon. Mm, there's a snake in my boots. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Glad to have you. How are you all doing this evening? I am doing well. Pretty good. Yes. Pretty good. <clears throat> Good. I'm excited to talk about this movie with you guys. I I know we've kind of we've tried to angle away from comedies um, and films of this nature just because I'm not sure how much we can get out of it. But I feel like between the four of us, we'll have a lot to say about Toy Story. And I wanted to uh, kind of mix it up from all the horror stuff we've been doing last month. So th- I thought this was a good kind of palate cleanser as far as our commentary. Is starts. that why we're not doing Toy Story three? Yeah, exactly. This... Yeah, the horror stuff. <laughs> This is as bipolar as my press releases I, I, I'll share when I post them on Why So Blue. And I'm like, Hellfest! And now, Smallfoot. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And what better time to do this than, like, very close to when the Toy Story 4 teaser trailer just hit, too. So we can. Uh, that was magical, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, we, we had planned doing this before, before that happened. It's like, oh, that dropped, too? Cool. All right. Well, let's see where it is. But, yeah, plan to discuss... Uh, so let's just let's get right into it. Uh, for those of you that don't know how this works, uh, Brandon, Scott, Maxwell, and I all have the movie Toy Story currently paused at five seconds in, and on the sound of go, we're all going to press play and just start talking over the movie. So if you plan to watch the movie and listen to us commentate over it, good on you. Glad to have you uh, playing along and everything. But also, uh, yeah, you just have to sync your movie and press play when we say push play. Um, if you're not, if you're just listening to listen, good on you as well. Have fun. You don't have to do anything. You just have to sit tight. So with all that said, are you guys ready? Yeah, I am. All right, I'm going to count down. Three. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Three, <laughs> two, one, go. Okay. Oh, a castle. Yeah, it's like classic Disney castle. Now they change them up all the time. Fireworks. Although, um, I, just, I just saw Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think they used the classic castle in that movie. Okay. I believe so. Yeah, I don't think they, they didn't do a uh, a fancy, which is weird because there's a lot of potential, I think, for an internet-based castle or something of that nature. Uh, this opened in Thanksgiving weekend of 1995. I think I think it played at the El Capitan for a week or two beforehand, but don't quote me on that. I know the second one did. I don't remember if the first one did. Uh, this opened with about $27 million over Friday, Sunday, 37 ish over Wednesday, Sunday. But this was back in you know, the leggy era where it legged it to about $192 million, becoming the biggest grossing movie domestically of the year. This this uh, box office list is insane for this weekend as far as like movies I like or know. Like you have Toy Story, GoldenEye, Ace Ventura mm-hmm. 2, Money mm-hmm. Train. 
everybody's favorite. Uh, yes. It's Wesley and Woody. It says that on the... It doesn't say their last names. It doesn't need to. It's Wesley and Woody. Uh, Nick of Dimebauer. Casino, the American mm-hmm. president, and Get Shorty. And it takes two. It had everything. It, everything was at the And Nick office. of Time. Yeah, Nick of Time. Nick right? of Time, yes. Yeah. Which yeah. I saw in a double feature with Toy Story. Oh, there you go. Wow. Perfect. <clears throat> Similar plots. Wow. Race Against Time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a time to be alive that was. Yeah. Mm. It really was. I mean, back mm-hmm. then... When a movie like Ace Ventura, when Nature Calls, opened to you know thirty six, thirty seven million dollars, that meant everybody you knew had seen it that weekend. Yeah, wow. that's and you I, know, I would not have guessed that. I mean, I knew it was a hit because it's a Jim Carrey sequel, but it's like I do. I would not have guessed that Ace Ventura, when Nature Calls, opened to thirty seven million dollars. Well, it was a classic breakout sequel. Yeah, you know, yeah. the first one was a leggy, popular, well liked picture. Uh, it did very well on video. Um, and the sequel came out, I think, a year and a half later. So, you know, it was, which was actually pretty quick. Um, yeah. And yeah, it just it went gangbusters. Anyway, we spent a lot of time not talking about Toy Story in the first minutes of this commentary track. So let's do that now. <laughs> we're, um, <laughs> we're talking about the numbers, which I like. I like, and we'll, get, we'll probably get back to this. Uh, but uh, Steve Jobs, the producer, that just popped by. Uh, here we are. We're watching. We're watching this movie. We're watching Tom, Tom Hanks's Woody. Um, we haven't even heard of it though. We got Andy just uh, being a kid playing Toy Story. Let's talk about when we saw this movie. Scott, you just told me you saw it with Nick of Time. That's amazing. Yes, Saturday Scott, afternoon of that long weekend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you know, I liked it quite a bit. I was very into it. I was, you know, quite frankly, emotionally involved. You know, I wasn't sobbing in the aisles or anything, but I was emotionally involved to the point where I. It was a stressful picture, if that makes any sense. I, I can understand that. We'll get back to that later, but let's let's keep moving to hear everybody's like, initial and first-time reactions. Maxwell, when did you first see Toy Story? As far as I can remember, keeping in mind that I was eight, mm-hmm. um, I saw it Friday it opened after school. Um, there was a theater pretty close to my house and my school, and uh, I'm pretty sure I got picked up, and we went right to the theater. Um, yeah, and I loved it. It was uh, one of those formative pictures that really set me on a course of a lifetime of Disney magic. <laughs> Screenplay by Joss Whedon, Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen, and Alex Sokolow. Not that Joel I know. Cohen. I I always <laughs> forget Joel that. Cohen? Not that Joel Different Cohen. Different Joel Cohen. Though. Yes. The Garfield Joel Cohen. Yes. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. But uh, I always forget that Joss Whedon is technically uh, an Academy Award nominee because of the yeah. uh, screenplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brandon, how about you? Where did you come in? Uh, eighth place. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I saw this probably like the week, probably within like the first or second weekend it came out. But I'll tell you what, there's there's a factor here that I think maybe a lot of us forget with this movie. Um, the right. reason I was so excited to see it back then wasn't because I was like, oh, it wasn't a Disney thing, a Pixar thing. It was this was like the first computer animated movie, mm-hmm. like big theater, like. I, I it was something it was kind of used in video games, but it was something I was telling people about. I'm like, this is the future, man. This is the future. And like, you're just like, oh, this is it's amazing because it's, you know, done on computers. It's like three dimensional. Um, and like, this is the future. It was like so exciting because of the technological advancement that I, and I think we just nowadays like take for granted. But it was huge because of that yeah. back then. Like there was nothing like it. So you were getting a full feature length movie with computer animation. Now everything's like this in the 2D special because you don't get that very often. It's but it's, it's funny like you mentioned that cuz as a 
I think I relate more with it, not that I can presume what Maxwell would say as a response, but I think I relate more to Maxwell as far as I'm a, we're a bit younger and I'm not sure if that was a major factor when I saw the film. Yeah. That said, uh, I, I, I feel like I, I take, I make, I take more notice of it now just because I really like observing what I find to be advances or whatnot in the technology since the yeah. early days of this kind of animation. I, mean, yeah, I, was, I don't I was, recall the computer animated factor being of note to me at the time. Certainly now, for the legacy it set, it's more mm-hmm. of value. Honestly, like, when I look at this movie, I think more of how kind of uh, plain it all is and how lacking in detail there is, which is understandable given that it's new for its like it's <laughs> It still looks really quite good, though, especially on Blu-ray. The colors and, and, mm-hmm. and textures, like if you look at the wood floor... Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that. Like they did a great job, all things considered. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to look at the Pixar's and think of how, the Pixar's because I'm old. The Pixar's. I tend to look at the <laughs> Pixar's. And th- Is that kind of like the pictures? And, and I, I look at like the the how big the disparity is between the last one, where something like this and A Bug's Life. They're about the same, but something like A Bug's Life and Toy Story 2, there's a giant difference because they invented dust. They figured out how to do dust in Toy right. Story 2. And like Monsters, Inc. between that and Toy Story 2, they figured out how to do fur. Like, and right. so it's like, and like even even to up to now, like I think Coco has a lot of things that they just did not have in, um, what's the previous one? Cars 3? Like, it's, yeah. it's so it's, it, it is neat to see like the various levels of, or degrees of changes they find in the, in, as they continue forward and making these films, finding new ways to be not only creative in their storytelling, but ambitious in their animation. Well, I remember, you know, slight digression, being wowed by how much better, you know, quality of the movie notwithstanding, Shrek the Third looked compared to the first two Shrek movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. terms of the, the designs of the humans. That to me, I mean, yeah, it's probably the least of the four Shrek films, but visually, it, it felt just like a quantum leap from the first two. Yeah, um, I rewatched Shrek as, and Shrek Two pretty recently, and I'm like, it's they still they they look again. I can keep in mind the date, and like I know, yeah. like Brandon, you and I, we we tend to like kind of scoff at using the term dated when it applies to movies. Right. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say Toy Story is like dated, but I can see I can apply that term more easily to films like this than I can to certain others, just because of the nature of the technology. It makes sense to me to call it that way, not as a negative, but just as a kind of a understanding of where things are. It the wasn't years. there yet. Yeah. yeah. Although I, you know, I would still say that this holds up better than you know, like the early CGI integrated into live action, where oh, for sure, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's more jarring now because this is all of the same style. It it feel when you're watching it, you're not comparing it directly to anything else, and it feels of a whole. Yeah, it's and it, hel- it helps. They're not going for realism at all. Yes, right, and I think that's why doing toys to start out with with such a smart choice. Oh yeah, and they didn't even well, venture into humans until Finding Nemo is like the closest thing. I mean, beyond the, yeah. obviously the humans and. Toy Story that are kind of like they don't count, but like as yeah. far as like having direct human characters, like yeah, mm-hmm. I guess Monsters Inc. But that's still also cartoony. It seems like Finding yeah. Nemo is like the first step to be like real. To some yeah, Monsters Inc. Oh. is mostly children too. Yeah, so that, exactly. That, that kind of gives you a, a, a buffer. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say before it gets too far in uh, how pivotal Randy Newman's songs are to this film. Um, you know, it starts out with "You've Got a Friend in Me," and it really just sets the tone for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I want. Yeah, I, I, I want. I, I want to get back to this, <laughs> but this is. I don't disagree as far as the the use of Randy Newman's like the themes of his songs or whatnot. It is. The, it is kind of the reason why I think this is my least favorite of the Toy Story movies. 
if if this makes any sense i i get what the songs do but at the same time hearing them i think these are really on the nose and that's i i guess if it, if it was just like you got if it was just a couple songs that'd be fine but it's like every single song is just explaining the story to me i don't and i don't think they're bad songs i just think comparatively to the other films for me, I, th- I like them better because they don't rely on exposition songs to tell me the story. Well, you th- got an army, man. <laughs> if He's I recall, there's only three. Down. You know, there's, there's You Got a Friend in Me, Strange Things Are Happening, and whatever he, they sing when he finds out he's a toy and tries yeah. to jump off the couch. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It, you know, it does contrast with, you know, and to be fair, the second one has the, you know, the most Sarah McLachlan Sarah McLachlan song ever written. Oh yeah, it does. Um, mm-hmm. But it's one. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one song. Yeah, that's, and I think that's the only song in the movie, if I recall. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, for me, both commercially and you know over the long run artistically, you know when this came out, Tom Hanks was just the biggest star on the uni- in the universe. Yeah. He had just won back-to-back Oscars with Forrest Gump in Philadelphia. Um, he was basically the most beloved actor on the planet. And Tim Allen was right in the middle of Home Improvement's giant yeah. run. It's one of the biggest shows in television, yeah. Yeah, so this was, you know, even more so, I think, than, you know, arguably Aladdin. This was a big turning point in terms of using movie stars to sell an animated film to adults, for better or worse. You know, um... And, you know, it's, you know, I love this movie as much as everybody else, but, you know, this film and Shrek were probably very instrumental in terms of two long-term trends of animation. Yeah. A, you started seeing, you know, almost a lot of them are, that were these very, you know, quirky, comedic, frantic, action-y, comedy stick that, you know, this was G, but most of the other ones were PG. Um, you started seeing a lot of celebrity voices, even when they weren't required. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite frankly, you know, the success of Shrek and Toy Story basically was the death knell for a while of female-driven animated pictures. Um, you know, to a certain extent, we started seeing a lot more eventually animated pictures that were, you know, bromances or you know, dude-centric films. Um, for about, you know, probably about a good decade, give or take. Um, and. I totally lost my train of thought, so I'm going to let somebody else take over. Uh, you're, uh, it's funny. The but shark's tail is your favorite. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it, um, it's interesting uh, about using celebrity voices because certainly there's a lot of animated films in the last 20 years that I would say unnecessarily hired big names to, to do voices. But for the most part, if you look throughout what Pixar has done, that wasn't something they did all that often. I mean, even when they used, you know, Billy Crystal and John Goodman, they fit the characters so well. It doesn't feel like a crutch. It feels like they hired the best people for the job who just so um, happen to be big names. Well, and this movie has to launch, so it's got to yeah, have yeah. something behind it. No, this was sold as a, for all intents and purposes, this was told, sold as a Tom Hanks comedy. Right. Or, you know, a buddy comedy between Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Um, Which I mean, and you, and yeah. I mean, their next picture was a Bug's Life, and it's not like Dave yeah. Foley and Julia Louis Dreyfus were like, you no. know, A-list stars that you know are ones that put people in seats. It was that was going um, on the strength of, hey, let's see if the. Meanwhile, Ants does the same exact thing, but having the biggest yeah. and 
pretty like a, a pretty fantastic cast when you look at the cast of yeah. ants and I mean, they that together it may be my, one of my favorite woody allen movies by default i'm a big fan um, of ants i i like yeah. ants a lot <laughs> um and it's it's it, it's it's a you know i don't want to say it's complicated because it's not but you know on one hand yeah holly hunter and you know craig craig t nelson or uh you know ellen degeneres they're not you know butts in the seats movie stars not like albert brooks but, of course but. exactly <laughs> But they're also not voiceover artists. So there was this sort of weird thing where any vaguely recognizable name was preferable to a professional voiceover artist, which really stunk when, if you were a professional voiceover artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I've always defended those direct-to-DVD sequels that Disney would put out for a while, because that's where those, you know, that's where the, that's where the, you know, the, the professional vo- art, you know, vocal artists, that's where they got the big jobs. Oh, and at, and yeah. video games too. Yeah, and video games. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's. I, I it's hard to see it as like they're taking away jobs from certain. I mean, I, I understand that yes, there are plenty of voiceover artists that do this on a, on a you know for a living, and they're losing out on I guess giant films at the same time. Are we do we need to treat animated films as something separate from live action films based off just seeing good actors get roles in film? No, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Um, and you know, it's, it's sort of the, the weird thing that, you know, you always say when you're writing a, a screenplay or a commercial or whatever, there's always some celebrity you have in mind when you're creating a character. It's either a celebrity or it's somebody that you know in real life mm-hmm. or a combination thereof. And if you can get the movie star that you're thinking of, you're going to get the movie star you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of, you know, not all of them, but a lot of actors sort of consider voiceover to be easier, at least in terms of wearing your sweatshirt, going in a booth, and doing the job. Um, I except for except for filming you in a, the booth doing your job day, then you got <laughs> then you have to wear a suit and tie. I like yeah. that those um, are those are very specific days that they that you can tell. It's like yeah, they, that this is the day that they came in to specifically film you doing these scenes. Um, yes. Um, Before we go too far, I should say I, I didn't get a chance to talk about my initial screening of Toy Story, but I did see this opening weekend with my mom. Um, it was one of, I think, a couple times I saw this in theaters. And um, this is similar to Jurassic Park as far as this is one of the movies that's I know really well. I've seen numerous, numerous times, but it's not one of my favorite movies. Uh, like it, it, it's, it's right there as far as I love everything about this thing but it doesn't quite enter my list of favorite movies. Which is... I believe you, you said it was uh, your favorite movie that's not your favorite in your favorite movie. Yeah, for Jurassic, for Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, it's like my favorite yeah, movie yes. that's not my, one of my favorite movies. And that, that, that similar kind of appraisal applies to this film as well. Where it's like, um, I, I love everything about like this is There's a lot of greatness here, um, even if I prefer <laughs> uh, the other Toy Stories. But it's not like it's, you know, it's splitting hairs of, of reasons. But. Well, I, I think the sequels have the advantage of being able to build on what this began. The same yeah. way that, you know, Star Wars is not my favorite Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still excellent by most standards. But, you know, most people prefer Empire or... or the Last Jedi, yeah, but, of course. Whatever. Yeah, the Last Jedi, Mo- Jedi yeah. obviously. Yeah, we do. Most, um, pri- no, most no. probably the third... 13th fans none of them's favorites the first one yeah um and so i think i think you know the sequels were able to further push with these films this film as you said by virtue of being having to be the first one 
you know, it was more of a romp buddy comedy than the sequels, which the sequels obviously get a bit more, I don't want to say dark, because, you know, it's a dark sequel, but, you know, there's certainly... They're dependent, they sort of, they're dependent on more emotion than just yes, some of the... There are more poignant pictures. Poignant, there we go. That's a, that's a, uh, that's a way of putting it. And, yeah, and they're because of the distance between, particularly the third one from these, like yeah. there's a nostalgic aspect that's built yes. in for in a variety of ways. It's you know the, the which you know it was big wonder you know what what are they going to do for the fourth one? I mean, they whatever. Add, I'm sure they add, do it, they but... actually kill the toys at the end. <laughs> well, that that's you know I. I saw a couple articles, including from you know, writers that I like, so I'm not going to call them out or anything. It's like, does Woody die? In, like, no, Woody's not going to die in Toy Story 4. First of all, they're a toy, so you can always, like, buy another one. And they also oh, have no. a theme park now. Well, that too, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but. Really good one. Uh, so, so no, yeah. Max, so go ahead. Go. Uh, one of the big... Uh, plot points of this first toy story is buzz coming to the realization that he's a toy mm-hmm. so my question is do you guys think that all brand new in packaging toys have that experience where they don't realize they're a toy until they get bought and, and brought to a child's room and, and 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 learn what's going on or is there something different or special about buzz that prohibits I think him from knowing he's a toy because they seem shocked that he doesn't know he's a toy no, I think no, but he's asking about all of the Buzz Lightyear toys in general. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that Lightyear. I don't know. I mean, Toy Story Two kind of puts that out there because he they meet another Buzz and the Buzz doesn't realize what's going. And even by the end of it, he's still just true more with Zerg and <laughs> focusing on that aspect. That is, we. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a. I'm sure there's plenty of like detailed essays that go over the the phenomenon of toys that are unenlightened versus the ones that are about the nature of their re- existence. Um, which I guess gets into a whole theological discussion that's probably even more intense than, than this basic one right here. Oh. Um, but Well, that, that's the tragedy of Sid, is that, you know, by all rights, he's not the bad guy. He doesn't know toys are alive. You know, he has no reason to uh, think there's anything immoral with what he's doing. Yeah, he's as creative as Andy is. He's just creative in a different yeah, way. exactly. He's expressing himself in a, in a manner that's at least not animals. It's plastic figures. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Interesting. Although he is kind of like he's a jerk to his sister, so I mean, like you know, he's, he's got the he's got the elements. <laughs> oh, that troll doll's really into those, by the way. I was like pointing <laughs> that out <laughs> among the characters. Do you think the troll doll's jealous that everyone else can move their arms? <laughs> I'd imagine so. Yeah, right. It's like everybody else could articulate. Uh, I I do think one thing that sets this film apart from the sequels. Is that while the you know this one is very much a metaphor for you know a new baby in the family you know it's sort of a sibling rivalry you know being replaced as you know mom and dad's favorite uh-huh. well obviously the sequels are a bit more about metaphors for parents letting their children go um, mm-hmm. which I, I think you know serves the sort of the classic buddy aspect and that's you know most Pixar films are. You know, buddy films, you know, about two people that don't like each other, but have to learn to get along on a big journey. And, you know, to go deeper than that, I would argue, starting with more so with Toy Story 2 than the, the other two, the idea of, you know, living, surviving in safety versus living in danger. 
the idea that, you know, the characters have to make a choice between, you know, and it's made quite literal in Toy Story 2, living forever in a box or living a finite life of value. Um, it's kind of amazing how Pixar's, I mean, and there's been some downs. I mean, I would, there's, there's, to me, there's no Pixar film I would call a bad movie. There's ones I don't prefer. Um, yeah. But it's it's hard for me to say this is just like creatively just completely a disaster, um, give or take some. Uh, <laughs> like there's there's three I can think of that I just like I don't care for uh, as far as but vroom vroom vroom. <laughs> I <laughs> we don't need to talk about cars, but I do. I I they get for me they get better. Um, but, uh, Brave and Dinosaurs, on the other hand, is a little bit more of a mixed bag. But what I was going to say, it's amazing that Pixar really does have a pretty standard formula in place, and there's only so many variations that they do to kind of separate their films, yet they're incredibly effective at making those separations, making unique stories with unique characters, arcs, and what have you, that still have you know a pattern that they follow and a arrival point that makes sense and even a level of emotion that's similar this is my favorite line in the movie right there with the shark um so, <laughs> howdy, howdy 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 that's my favorite part <laughs> every time um, <laughs> but it, but it, it, i do i do i do think it's it's quite admirable that a, a studio such as pixar can do something like this again and again and again and find success over and over again i mean with a few few exceptions um well, I think part of it is because, you know, not to make it sound easy because it's not, but when you have that formula and you have that core thesis, you can do whatever you want as long as it somehow plays into that formula and that thesis. So Sure. At, at the know, same time, I mean, you can look at, like, the MCU, and it's like they follow a formula as well. Yeah. And, you know, you have a lot of talented people working there, but it's just like the creative minds for these, especially because there's... You know, those movies at least have a kind of a template they can work with as far as comic books. This is just like, we're just coming up with ideas, you know? Yeah. Cowboys, spaceman, I don't know, a robot, fish, whatever. Old man and balloons, sure. Like, let's just, let's throw all these <laughs> things out here. A Mexican family, okay, let's like, let's let's make all this work. <laughs> well, I think, you know, if you look back at the, the formation of, of Pixar as a studio, as a brand... I think they always set out to use animated features as a way of of, of telling stories with with issues that resonate um, more poignantly or, or more with more depth than what had been traditionally told in, in animated films. And the the other two major animation studios I can think of that have have had great success since Pixar don't barely try and dabble in the same thing. Um, you know, they have different, more, uh, I don't know what the, the right word would be, but, you know, they're more interested in, in, in the surface-level pleasures as opposed to these Pixar movies, which tend to, to dig deep, even in this first one in Toy Story, what, what Scott was saying about the notion of, of feeling like you're being replaced in the family, sibling rivalry, whatever that sort of thing. I mean, those are pretty uh, affecting themes for what is essentially a movie about some some plastic toys. I think that's why we all have admiration for Laika, um, which yes. which yes. very much you know it, it delves headfirst into emotional tire territory, uh, a level of pathos that comes with each of the characters that they establish, and the fact that it's so 
it's it's handcrafted in a way that feels obviously handcrafted so you can put all the more care in seeing that come to life and feeling something for that um mixed with the you know fairly deep themes involving bullying parents loss grief class struggles race struggles like it's you know there's like basically like is amazing guys let's turn off this movie (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't don't want to talk too much about like or talking about toy story but uh, and without naming names i will say that i know someone who's very close to me who who pretty much felt that kubo and uh and the strings was um you know the most resonant film they had seen about dealing with loss and grief mm-hmm. of yeah. parents. Um, so, and similarly to what Pixar did, and what I think why their their legacy has endured so strongly is, yeah, they were technological groundbreakers. I mean, when when you have Steve Jobs, you know, as your executive producer, um, you know, you know that the technology is going to be uh, groundbreaking. But it's really the storytelling and character work that that allowed them to last you know if they had made the first uh full-length animated uh computer animated film and it was i don't know the boss baby i don't think we'd be still talking about about (laughs) pixar all these years later you know you mean the the academy award nominated boss baby that also spurned a netflix series (laughs) but that's success but i mean a boss baby is awesome no it isn't b hashtag justice for captain underpants Yes, Captain Underpants is is, is pretty. Good. <laughs> that, it was. Yeah. I love Captain. Underpants. That was a lot. Of, it was a lot more fun. That's for sure. And uh, if 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 Boss Baby, <laughs> just, not to humor this too much longer, but if Boss Baby did come around first, we'd get like we'd have like seven Boss Babies, and like Alec Baldwin would be beloved for his fucking Boss Baby character. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he sort of beloved for his other Boss Baby character anyway? Right. <laughs> beloved is a harsh word. <laughs> uh. But I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, no, no. It, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. A, a landmark success and built such a legacy legacy for themselves goes far beyond just the technological um, innovation. For sure. We should talk oh. a bit more film specific for a second because we're like we're going over so much because this movie is excellently paced because it's it's 15 minutes when Buzz enters the scene and it's 30 yeah. minutes when you know the main arc is about to start as far as they're going to get lost um <laughs> look at Mr. Potato Head's hat folks mm-hmm. there we go also I want to there's so many movie references in this movie also um I also want to point out that I love when Buzz says who's that happy child that makes me laugh every single time <laughs> <laughs> well um I will say, and this isn't to denigrate any of his other work, I think Tom Hanks' best performances are in these three movies. Really? Yeah, I think he's... I, 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 and again, this isn't to say that his other you know, live-action work is less than, because it's not. Um, but I think, in, in, in a certain way, the character of Woody and the arcs that he goes through in these three films are a perfect mix of his best as a dramatic actor and his best as a comedic actor combined. Hmm. You know, you get the sort of the smart ass, smart alecky, you know, persona that was sort of his stock and trade before, you know, uh, Philadelphia, for lack of a better word. And you also get, you know, a genuinely strong dramatic performance as well through all three films. I, I, um, I don't know if I would explicitly agree with that, but what I will say is I have you know, an incredible amount of respect for people who can, you know, just using their voice convey, a, a, you know, a complete dramatic performance because 
so many of the tools that you use as an actor are taken away from you and you just have your voice to play with. Um, and, and that being said, he does do a remarkable job of these complete, rich, dramatic arcs um, as Woody, um, just with his voice, which is super impressive. What I mean, was, I think there should be award categories for voiceover work, but. And see, that, uh, that's a whole other debate where I wonder is like, do, does it need to be, I mean, it'd be separate just because it finally allows some representation. But at the same time, it's like the vocal performances, let alone motion capture performances, that all to me is acting. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree, yeah. but I I only say just because it's never happened. Exactly. Yeah. M- much in the same way that they created that animated feature category to, you know, foster that representation, it could be a way for some of these people to finally get their their just desserts that they deserve. Yeah, which is the kind of thing that even well, even uh, like Scott and I are both a part of the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society, which has a fe- best female director category, and it's like. I can see that going away at some point, but I understand the logic of having it for the sake of, yes, we can represent the fact that there are a multitude of very good films that happen to be directed by women, which otherwise go under the radar, or at least don't get the kind of proper recognition that they could get, um, were just the system in place different or more evolved. Um, yeah. But uh, as far as um, best... The gas Hanks, As far as best Hanks performances, I mean, yeah, outside of the standards that I list off, you know, obviously punchline bonfire of the vanities and turner and hooch yeah sure toy story that's that's great you know, that's, <laughs> i i, I love his work in larry crown just shut up um <laughs> i don't take those jokes lightly maxwell <laughs> right, i can defend the lady killers but i i, I have my limits it's what's this what's the story with um with woody's character what is it that he I know they had to change it because Woody was unlikable in the first go around. Was that after they recorded it, or like before the writing uh, still? That I don't know, to be honest it's with some, you. Like it's some, I, I'm trying, I'm trying I to think, find. I it. think it was during the recording process, if like, I'm not mistaken. There was so yeah, there was some kind of like. I not, mean, not, it's not a full I mean, screening, but there was some kind of like screening of a part, a portion of it, and people just didn't like Woody at all, and so they had to redo it. I mean, it. he is kind of a jerk in the way he treats Buzz. He is because it's a very fine yeah. line to walk, and that's why I cannot. I could agree with Scott to a, not necessarily my absolute favorite, but it's certainly on a short list of his best work to offer as an actor who has to do a variety of different things. Because yeah, you play this a few degrees differently, and Woody doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. work as a right. cohesive no, pairing yeah. because it's he's too unlikable, and then Buzz doesn't come off as well because you have a person that you're playing off of that's too antagonistic. Like so, it's it's a it's a careful line to move past. And so yeah, it is a credit to both Hanks. As well as the writers, uh, as, well, as well as the very talented team of writers that includes Joss Whedon and Andrew Stanton. I'm sure Brad Bird had some kind of like minimal involvement. Pete Doctor, mm-hmm. Joe Rampt, like all of these guys, John Lasseter. Like I mean, there's there's a lot of big talent here, uh, regardless of where things have taken some of them. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's certainly worked in the favor of the early days of Pixar. Well, I and I I just glanced at the trivia. According to this, if you want to know, I mean, yeah, they no. screened a cut in 1993, late 93, mm-hmm. and that the big issue was that Woody was a very sarcastic asshole who was insulting all the other joys. Yeah, but was, so was it? Did, was Hank still voicing it at that point? That's what I'm yes. clear. Yes, okay. yes, this was he had voiced it. Okay, so they did have to re, basically they did have to re-record the voice to make it work. Yes, which they do a lot. Pixar oh. does this a lot. Yeah. Um, here's mm-hmm. a fun fact. I'm not sure if you all of you know this. William H. Ace Macy was the voice of Marlin before Albert Brooks came on. That I did not know. He recorded the entire movie, um, and then they're like, "This is not working. We don't care. We the he's too 
aggressively whiny, and so we, we got we went to the natural replacement, Albert Brooks, and made that work. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, that's well, what I learned that fairly recently. It's like, oh, that's really interesting. William H. Macy could have been the face of Fighting Nemo. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, I, I'm sure you all know this, but the original Toy Story two almost went direct to video. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. and they basically redid the entire film almost from scratch. Yeah, they realized right. how good their story was and how much involvement yeah. they could get out of the people involved, and they're like, you know what? <laughs> what? What if? <laughs> Just bear yeah. with me here. What if we made a sequel to our very successful Toy Story movie and put it in theaters and got the guys... Crazy idea, guys. Yeah. Crazy idea. We already have a song for our commercial because we used it in our first movie. So we, <laughs> I, think we can, I think we can pull this off. <laughs> um. Also, by the way, that was a big part of me being excited for this movie. I just loved hearing the toys are back in town. <laughs> like I, I, loved, I loved hearing that in a commercial. I was like, this sounds so much fun. That I, I specifically remember that leading up to seeing this movie. Like, having that, if that combined with, like, Buzz going down the Hot Wheels track in the commercial, it's like, this is, why would I not want to see this? <laughs> Here's the introduction of the Pizza Planet truck, which is in every single Pixar movie after this, including the good dinosaur. <laughs> what? Yep. Yeah. It's in there. Yeah. I must have missed it. It's. I mean, it's a yeah. little more abstract than the other references to it, but yes, it's in there. Like the the milk truck that was in the theatrical kind of Fellowship of the Ring that they eventually took out because they realized that they missed it the first time around. Mm-hmm. Anyway, old. Yeah. yeah. I got you. It was a bloop. It was a blooper. One of those classic um, Jackson bloops. Oh. Um, no, I, I think the movie here works because you want the you, you want Buzz is in the right morally, but you want Woody to win. Yeah. So you're you're rooting for both of them. Mm-hmm. And that's why it doesn't work if if Woody is a jerk, you know, if he's genuinely a villain. Um, because then you get into the, you know, what I always call the Lilo and Stitch problem, where you just you, you just want Woody to leave him the heck alone. Um, I do think Tim Allen's very good in this, by the way. He's, I think he, yes, he, yeah. he does a good job in, as Buzz Lightyear, which obviously oh. Tim Allen doesn't have the same movie career as Tom Hanks does. But I mean, it, it, as a perform, I mean, Tim Allen's not a bad performer per se. Like, I mean, you're, we could like he's great in Galaxy Quest. He is. Yeah. yeah, he's usually pretty good in stuff he's in. We just his movies aren't good. And I, I saw Big Trouble <laughs> came to Blu-ray. I was like, I might buy that. I like Big Trouble. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Big Trouble's pretty I mean, good. I also that's it's. It's ridiculously movie. short, and it cut out all my favorite parts of the book, but the movie's pretty good in its own terms. I just like it as, like, it's this weird cousin to get shorty that's not even written by Elmer yeah. Leonard, but it exists. It's like, okay. But it has a great cast. Oh. Heavy hmm. D's in it. Heavy D. Oh, I, I missed the days <laughs> There's of... There's a lot of now, people. Now that we found Arcades. love. Arcades you missed the what? The days of arcades being oh, everywhere. Yeah. Mm. There's still a few, but it's not the same. Let's see if there's mm-hmm. any Easter eggs on these arcade machines that we haven't spotted before. Like, oh, there's a Wally robot or something on these. <laughs> also, anytime I see the word Pizza Planet somewhere, especially when I'm with Anna, I say, Pizza Planet? As uh, excited as Andy does. <laughs> I, I, every every single time, anywhere, there's that thing. I say, Pizza Planet? Because Andy is so excited when his mom's like, let's go to Pizza Planet. <laughs> Pizza Planet? I mean... I, the, the, the sad he's... thing is, if you go to the Disney parks and you eat at Pizza Planet, the pizza's terrible. Oh, yeah, it is. It's awful. Yeah. It is awful pizza. Well, it's, uh... 
The one in in Hollywood Studios is gone now. Mm-hmm. Oh. Now it's now it's Pizza Rizzo. Yeah, there's still one by uh, Space Mountain. In Disneyland, yeah. Disneyland, yeah. The happiest. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no pizza at Disney World. Mm-hmm. It's planet. <laughs> Buzz is so like, oh, there's a rocket ship. That's probably it. <laughs> I can make this back. <laughs> it's naivety. So it's amazing. I do love the aliens. Yeah. Ooh. It's amazing how many of these characters, how none of these characters are like annoying. Like it seems like any of them could like easily tip into the side of. No, like, yeah, too I much. get you. If like, done by DreamWorks, that would happen. Like Re- <laughs> like like Wallace Shawn's Rex could easily be like the worst thing ever, and yet it's still yeah. like I love Rex. <laughs> Rex is the greatest. Like I we're. I've, t- I've said this before, but in Toy Story 3, when they're all about to be incinerated, the the fact that I was like, is Mr. Potato Head going to be all right? Just, like, that floored me. Right, that yeah. I had to, that it could, I had to consider if I'm about to lose Mr. Potato Head for my life because of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that, that incineration, it was just like, oh, no, this is it, isn't it? Like, oh, man. Yeah, that's like... The, that's, yeah, I will never forget my feelings I've sitting been, here that, I, I haven't been on the edge of my seat in many situ- scenarios that are anything close to Toy Story 3 in that, in that incinerator As they, that as incinerator they begin scene. reaching for each other's hands, yeah, it's like, what, oh my god! What, when, even, when even Buzz has a look of acceptance that he's going to die, it's like, yes. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I even it's have that as one of my wallpapers. I, I have a shuffling set of wallpaper picked images, and that's one of them, of Buzz's look to Woody is like, you gotta accept it. Like it's like, what's happening? <laughs> Why is this happening now? <laughs> and then the next one's like, you have to kill me, Woody. What? <laughs> <He's putting laughs> you have to kill me. Yeah, it's the, it's gonna be the old it's yellow how, ending. <laughs> it's how you escape the room. Actually, you no. have to kill me. <laughs> I, I know. I assume it's gonna be like uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford ending, where like Buzz is just he's <laughs> standing on a chair and Woody holds a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> You're setting me up for disappointment here. Uh. This uh, voice. We should talk about this voice cast more because I mean, yeah, obviously Hanks and Allen are great. They're they, they work as leads, but you got Don Rickles, Jim Varney, Wallace Shawn, yeah. John Ratzenberger, Annie Potts, uh, Arlie Ermy. <laughs> there's a there's you have Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf. On, like, we talked about Tim Allen being a big show. She was on a huge show yeah. as well. Yeah, the Connors. <laughs> yeah, the, the prequel. The, the the prequel to the Connors. Yeah. Uh. But uh, what a like a terrific set of like character actors that are all like performing in this thing, and that have mostly stuck by, with the exception of you know those that have been Jim Varney who passed on. Um, and I guess I'm not, I can't remember if Don Rickles he recorded his Toy Story four lines or not, but they kept redoing that movie, so I don't know. Uh, but it, it's not a just it's like a bunch. It's a great bunch of characters, but it's not like distracting casting like a well, big casting like the Hanks and and Alan. They just filled it up with some notable names for what they do i mean yeah they're, you they're, might it's recognize a, a voice it's here a good there, set of but... people i mean that that fits more with what you come to see excuse me in the following pixar films over the rest like obviously billy crystal and jungum and they're you know they kind of fit in that higher realm but like steve buscemi ed asner I, I, yeah. you mentioned scott holly hunter and uh craig t nelson Jason Lee. I mean, it's like, right. yeah, these are this is an incredible set of of casting choices here. Uh, as far as look at uh, these look at these great performers that are doing like doing good job of memorable characters. I guess What's your timeline, by the way. I'm at forty minutes and forty. Okay, I'm a little behind. Eight you. seconds. 
Sid's playing doctor with the. Uh... There we go. He loves explosives. Yeah. As, is, <laughs> as said by his bumper and, sticker. You know, and kudos to them for not overusing the green aliens. Um, mm-hmm. especially obviously in the sequels, where you know they they show up just after you've more or less forgotten about them. And uh, if you were if you were uh, DreamWorks, you'd make a whole spinoff movie about them. Uh, <laughs> and it would be oddly terrible, which would make no sense. Well, I mean, the only spinoff I can think of offhand that works is Puss in Boots. Like, that's, that movie's, like, legit Which grid. is awesome. It is. It's legit grid. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it plays into, you know, if I had to argue that the DreamWorks films, the better ones anyways, have a theme, it's the idea of basically rejecting your place in the world. That, you know, you don't, you know, to quote the Iron Giant, I don't have to be a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to kill dragons. I don't, I can be the, the, the dragon master or whatever. Yeah. And then the sequels kind of deal with the, you know, the fallout of those that decision, which, which is why I, I, I tend to like their sequels. I'll go I, the I joke about DreamWorks, but I, I do I do enjoy the heck out of the How to Train Your Dragon and Kung Fu oh, Panda. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we all know how Scott feels about Kung Fu Panda too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's better than Citizen Kane. <laughs> he Scott um, juggles between Shanghai Knights and Kung Fu Panda Two for the greatest no lady film from of all time. It's no lady from Shanghai, but I mean, it's better than it is the game. That's what Scott says about Kung I, Fu Panda I, Two. I have to say, this baby head uh, on the metal arms uh, is still rather horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. nightmare-inducing image that. I, uh-huh just awful I remember in, in being, the best way i remember being very happy and how quickly it again because the pacing so damn strong um i remember being how happy this was cleared up rather quickly as far as wow there's mutant toys these are horrifying and i was like they're nice mutant toys never mind i'm on board of this there's legs with a, a thing attached to it that uh, crane cool that's that's neat i guess and amusingly, we see a lot more of the opposite these days, where you have characters that are introduced as cute and cuddly and then, you know, bear their metaphorical fangs. Mm-hmm. Ned Beatty. Exactly. <laughs> Where's your Andy now? <laughs> <laughs> he does smell like strawberries, though. <laughs> That's my favorite line in Toy Story 3. <laughs> he smells like strawberries. What a nice... And Buzz is, what a nice bear. That's my... <laughs> that kills me. Even, even around the time of release of Toy Story 3, when you can meet Lotso at the Disney parks, the the costume that the, 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 the person was wearing mm-hmm. smelled like strawberries. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, a little bit. But points for authenticity, I suppose. Yeah, damn. They all in. <laughs> I hear that Kelsey Grammer still goes to Utah dressed as a prospector to promote the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Then he goes back to New York in his suits to promote Boss. Is that still a thing? No. no. (laughs) It's like two seasons, I think. (laughs) We don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't ever see or hear Sid's parents, right? Mm. Not that I recall. Be interesting. I'm I'm curious what what his parents' deal is. We never check up on uh, his sister again after this movie. It's true. I mean, we get Sid kind of in in three. He has a cameo in there, but yeah. Maybe four will reveal the the, the lasting legacy of of the Sid family. You guys, uh, you guys ever watch the uh, Toy Story of Terror or the uh, 
uh, toy that uh, that Tom Tom forgot. forgot. Yeah, yeah, I I have both on on Blu-ray. Are there just two, or is there one more? There's just there's just I think there's just I think it's just those two. They're pretty good. Okay, those are those are like the half or like the tv length ones there's i know there's like shorts right yeah like there's like a yeah they were like halloween specials that aired mm-hmm. on abc a couple yeah, years ago okay. yep because pretty good because i know there's like a it's like one of the like short films on the blu-ray that comes like it's about like i think it's the barbie and ken one i think that's one of them right uh-huh yep yep and, um uh, party source rex right that's that's one of them yeah like they're mm-hmm. yeah they're different than yeah. those yeah so I know, uh, but, yeah okay but it's funny like there's a lot of people i saw when uh, the trailer for the fourth one came out, and they're like, "But the story was complete." Oh, so I'm like, "Did you did you protest when Toy Story of Terror and Toy Story of Time Forgot came out? Like, because those are actual continuity." But I can ignore those, Brandon. I can ignore those. <laughs> they're just TV specials. They I, don't count. I do kind of get that. I mean, I I'm still <laughs> in the camp where it's like they wouldn't make this if it was going to be like this complete unnecessary disaster. I mean, but if, yeah. but I, 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 I can still thought... I can still contend that. You know the logic of yeah, they're they're special, so they're they may be in continuity, but they I don't like factor them in as far as adding on to a story that seemingly is completed. But I'm still I'm more I'm still happy to be right. optimistic about whatever they'd come up with next as far as a feature. Like I mean, they've created timeless characters. They're gonna be around. They're gonna come back. I mean, and they keep every every time like a new generation has come around, there's been a new Toy Story. Yep. Like that's I mean, just like Star Wars, like with there's a trilogy every time there's a that new generation of kids that needs to be fresh. Have their own fresh Star every Wars. Every time there's a trilogy, we end up electing a uh totalitarian nutcase as our president. We should really stop making Star Wars movies. <laughs> oh boy. Um and they and they just spent hundreds of millions of dollars on a new area of their theme park. It's you know, Toy Story's not going anywhere. Right. And yeah. of of the many franchises and characters that are for better or worse uh, still being uh, forced to be relevant uh, i'm very okay with with toy story continuing on mm-hmm. uh I mean, voices the tv announcer in this commercial for Buzz Lightyear. oh right? i didn't i didn't know that I, yeah. that's pretty cool i like pendulette yeah i mean toy story is essentially <clears throat> your new i mean like a new mickey mouse your new uh muppets like they just they're gonna be around these characters their adventures what they do Enjoy it. I mean, whether if you don't like the new Toy Story, you still have the first four. It doesn't screw anything up. Like, unless Buzz Lightyear was a clone in the first three the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You can't really. I, I don't know. People get too worked up about. I don't know. Well, maybe. I mean, there, maybe these, there's these, chil- these children's movies about. You know, maybe there's wait, a secret wait. druid cult that controls all the Buzz Lightyear dolls and explains why That's... they don't realize that they're sending their, um, you know, belonging to a different. Uh... Hashtag release the producers cut. Yeah, exactly. It's true. Yep, yep. That said, that commercial for Buzz Lightyear, I would totally. I mean, and I did would totally want a Buzz Lightyear toy based on that commercial. Did you see all the crazy <laughs> shit it does? It glows in the dark. It has karate chop action. It has wings. <laughs> Take that, Zerg. Like I want all I would these rather, things. <laughs> I would rather a Buzz Lightyear toy than a Turbo Man toy. Yeah, Turbo Man oh, looks yeah. like it'll just break in a second. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a Buzz Lightyear toy. It's pretty awesome. He says things. He has lights he on both wings. To infinity and beyond. Both. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but would your father dress as Turbo Man? No. No. He could, he could dress as Buzz. 
Or Turbo Man. Or Buzz is what I meant. My Good father thing. doesn't even wear t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing his helmet was on. It, I mean, it is a... It is an interesting arc to see in Tim Allen's character. Like the kind of realization is like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not what I thought I was. My entire he's, universe is come <clears throat> crashing around me. <laughs> he's being forced to come to terms with his own identity mm-hmm. in the it's most dramatic st- way possible. Heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he lost a limb. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's fun to see. Like in the third one, he becomes Woody essentially when they're at the the daycare. Yeah. Yeah. He's. he's When he does get beat up a lot in this movie, which is really funny. <laughs> Bowling ball falls in his head. Do they feel pain? <laughs> Emotionally. Uh, he seems to, because when, yes. when, when Sid burns a hole in his head, he, he's like running around in pain. Like, you know, he's, sure. They seem to have, you know, toy tendons. <laughs> Do they have a soul? When he gets some paint done to him in the, in the second one, is that like a tattoo? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's microsurgery. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Look at that little hat. I mean, by. they must have a toll. They they can reveal themselves to humans, like you know. That is an adorable hat. Yeah, it looks good on Buzz. He's just embraced it. He's like, this is my. <laughs> <life now." laughs> These are frightening. <laughs> I forgot about those. <laughs> Little dolls with no heads. <laughs> this whole room is frightening. All this pink. It's contrasting with the rest of the movie. <laughs> okay, so I brought this up earlier before we started recording, but Toy Story is the third highest grossing Toys Come to Life movie. The, the first two are obviously Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 2. but uh, What else is on the list? Small Soldiers is number four. The uh, All right, people, Hartman. The Joe Dante. Da- remade as Transformers. The Joe, the Joe Dante adventure. Yeah, both which feature... Uh... Is Kevin Dunn in both of those? Yeah, he's in both. Is, is, is yep. he the dad in both of them? <laughs> okay. Yeah, he is. And they're both DreamWorks productions, too. So there you go. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. That's like one wow. of the that's small. That's, that's one of the first DreamWorks too, right? That's '98, so yeah, that's got to be one of yeah, the, it is. the early runs. That's actually a classic example of why I always, you know, when I'm always whining about rooting against action, where you come to see the toys, you know, fight it out, et cetera, et cetera. But if you like the kid, you don't want him to keep getting in trouble, so you don't want the toys to fight each other. And because they don't, you know, get the, you know, they don't clear the kid of wrongdoing until the very end of the movie, it's not a particularly enjoyable film. Yeah, no, I'm not a huge small soldier. <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, say what you will about Transformers, you know, they, you know, stop blaming Shia LaBeouf for everything about the halfway point. Yeah, in a way um, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Indian, anyway, Indian, in the, Indian in the cover, which came out. That's a months, darn good book and a decent movie. Months before this movie, same year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Oh, who directed Indian in the cover? I feel like it's someone I Frank Oz. That's right. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. No, it's 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 a it's good. Uh, Child's Play, it's number six here. Huh? And uh, let's see, Bride of Chucky. <laughs> and then Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, number oh, eight. Oh boy, toys come to oh, life. Oh, 
I will somewhat defend that film. I've only seen like I've only seen like forty <clears throat> minutes of it, but what I saw, I liked. <laughs> yeah, the first half is very strong. Well, that helps. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> My wife loves it. Yeah. Um, again, it's another example of Jason Bateman playing a character that could have just been, you know, a dastardly scoundrel in need of redemption, and plays him as someone that would rather be a nice guy when he can. And from what I can tell, Portman just seems to be playing like a grown-up, a slightly grown-up version of her Garden State character. Yes. She's just like, look, I'm in a shop of toys. Look how wacky this is. Like, that's kind of like the role she has. And oh. Dustin and Dustin Hoffman's enabling her. Yeah, but I mean, it's, still, it's a real performance. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Then there's just more Child's Play sequels and, and failed Pinocchio adaptations. <laughs> including the one starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Martin Landau, as well as the one that, of course, stars Oscar winner Roberto Benigni. That's that movie's hard. Right. That movie's very scary. <laughs> I like I, one of my favorite relationships in all these movies is Woody and Slinky. I, I I really treasure the kind of the connection they seem to have with each other. Um, it's something about just the way they animate Slinky because he's like such a he can he can be both incredibly happy or dour, and I think they capture that well here. And Jim Varney, I think, is very good, uh, you know, kind of put, <laughs> putting a level of emotion in a, you know, a side character that doesn't necessarily need to be there, but it still works. There, There's a moment coming up later where Slinky attempts to hold on to them as they're in the race car, and the fact that he can't keep holding and he has to let go, they animate his eyes so well. And again, this is, you know, the beginning of this animation scene, where it's like, yeah, this can work, because if I can feel this way about Slinky Dog, then this company's gonna go places, <laughs> that's, that's for sure. <laughs> So, so I have a question. So, so on this box office list, puppets only count if they're Pinocchio. I suppose that... so. Yes. Okay. Do you think puppet, did Puppet Masters make a lot of money? I don't know about that, but if you're gonna go puppets, then uh, Goosebumps could clearly make a case. Well, I don't think they're they're not toys that came to life. I think would be the the, the logic of that. They're just like because they come out of the book, don't they? Isn't that like? Well, in the book, he was a he was a puppet. <laughs> oh, okay, yes, yeah, so you're Ain't talking about no oh, Slappy. Oh. Yeah, Slappy is. Slappy, yeah, yeah. How did he get his hands on the big one? He just. There's a joke there. Um, the, he um, just put in the proof of purchase in the cereal box tops. You know, that's how you get fireworks, right? Oh, the 90s were a special time. I mean, you look at the stuff around his room, it's like he seems like he's capable. Yeah. Yeah, kids could get firecrackers and stuff like that that they weren't supposed to easily. Maybe as a hip older brother that sends him cool stuff or something. Maybe. It's in like college or something. Maybe he stole it from dad's secret cabinet next to his booze. <laughs> it's the one labeled fireworks don't come in here soon. Yes. <laughs> That's next to the candy drawer and the puppy dog drawer, I assume, too. Yeah, and the coded padlock of one, two, three, four. <laughs> oh, we need to go to a mega mega dork concert too. Look at this! Look at this poster. Look at those teeth. Yeah. The rain came just at the right time. Thank goodness. Do you think Sid was? I guess not. Right? We probably would have heard about it, but like, Sid and Andy clearly aren't friends because he wasn't at his birthday party. Uh, no, I think they're just you know next door neighbors. They think they're even barely aware of each other's existence. Yeah, but presumably, I mean, 
that age, you probably go to school together, living right next to each other. Right. I mean, obviously, they're different types of people, so they might not be hanging in the same crowd. But, this, but, you know, this is elementary school, so it's, you know, everyone tends to be at least aware of everybody and tends to go to each other's birthday parties at that point. So, you know, I wonder if there's some dis- some discarded side plots involving Andy's relationship with Sid, if they're like... Well, maybe Sid's that much older. Like, if yeah, yeah, Sid's yeah. in, like, fifth grade and he's in first... He- yeah, that's gonna be true too. It could be a couple years older than he's probably more Sid's sister's age, if anything. Mm-hmm. Andy. Mm-hmm. Oh, dark lights too. It's good stuff. This kid's got the whole room to himself here, and he's he's paying off. Buzz is so sad now. <laughs> he's just so depressed. <laughs> He's just resigned to his toyness. I remember when I uh, first seeing it being pretty impressed by the chase sequence coming up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the the ending of this thing is all, I mean, all of these films, they, they're like all out action endings as mm-hmm. far as like how they and race against the time and whatnot. Or, oh my God, they're going to die. Yeah, no, <laughs> one, any of those. <laughs> no, I, I, I was into this story enough that you know the very the, and the chase ends wonderfully in terms of them basically shooting over the shooting over the moving truck and landing right in the car with the you know the callbacks to the, their back and forth dialogue it just it it it's rousing you know it's 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 earned crowd pleasing it's something that works well in animated films in general where you can take both Ideally, when it, with the good ones especially, you can take characters that you really connect with because of how big the performances are, but how much that engages you with them because they're big, colorful things, whether they're pandas or cowboys, and you're all in because of how great of a how great of work Jack Black's doing or Tom Hanks is doing or what have you, and you can combine that with the freedom of animation to get really creative with the action. So you can get these rousing special effects-based sequences. Even Shrek. I know, Scott, you say Shrek 2 has, like, an amazing action finale. Oh, And it does. Yeah. It, it, like, it really does. It, like, the use of music in that film combined with the sense of who these characters are and what they're going through to kind of get to where they need to go. And even just the payoff to Puss in Boots' arc, where you finally uh-huh. see him pull out a sword and start kicking ass. There's, a, there's the virtual cameras allowed to show you things that most live-action movies can't accomplish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just now kind of not just now, but they're getting to it more because you know the visual effects are so improved, and you can do a lot of things. So you can get things like I don't know the insanity of Infinity War's climax with everybody doing everything <laughs> or whatnot. But you know, animated films they've had that freedom for a long time and can really capitalize or the, on it. The the fake climax of Breaking Dawn Part Two. Yeah. See, uh, I used to be able to not understand their reference, but I do now. <laughs> and you know what? It's See, very impressive. It's an impressive yes, action finale. It, it really is. Um, this is the the that moment that just happened that we were talking about other stuff during. Mm-hmm. It, to me, is is maybe the best part of the movie, where after spending an hour of Woody being threatened by Buzz feeling like he's replacing him. It's now up to Woody to uh, convince Buzz of his worth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really affecting and, and sort of like, I think, ties the emotional arc of both characters together. 
it's it's a good example of how I can see that in every single Pixar film, and somehow it always works. I always can look works. at that. I can look at you know, sad scene in Toy Story two. I can look at when they when the monsters are pushed to abominable snowman territory, and they're really sad there. I can look to when they think that Nemo's gone, and then like or that they've lost everything, and that it's just Dory and and Marlin like just arguing oh. about like what's going to happen. Rudy gets crushed again by tools. It's hilarious. Ah. Gets beat up. In this movie. <laughs> look. It, it, it's not some big secret. If you write characters that the audience cares about, you can make those emotional moments earn pretty easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're not fully fleshed out characters or you don't care about them, then yeah, it's gonna it's gonna not work or come across as as mawkish or whatever word you want to use. So. No, yeah, it's easy to. It's one thing to pick apart something like this, but it's another to acknowledge why it works so well. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah, you can. You can use a sarcastic tone of voice and say it's the same old thing again, or you can look at why it's successful for being the same old thing again. Well, <laughs> it's I, I don't you know it's like the the twelve notes theory from A Star Is Born, mm-hmm. right? It's all about how you execute it. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have a a deep brassy voice, or you can steal from Sam Elliott. Either one works. <laughs> <laughs> um. You're right about the pacing. I mean, this, yeah, movie, this movie moves. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. Sort of like it, it, there's not a misstep thus far in, in anything it's doing. Yeah. Well, when you could be a feature length film that's 75 minutes long, mm-hmm. you can move like a rocket. Yeah. That doesn't The problem hurt, comes you... when you put that to live action and make it 125 minutes, then you've got some problems. Even then, though, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, the Pixar films have gotten longer over the years. Yeah. And it's impressive. I mean, I. None of them I would call slow. Cars I call slow. Yeah. But <laughs> car, car, my main problem with cars is that it's too slow. It doesn't have enough story to tell. But otherwise, the rest of them, <laughs> like for the most part, I think all get by despite having increased runtime. I mean, both Incredibles films are yeah. are the lengthiest of the Pixar films. And they, you know, they move. <laughs> no, everything matters in these movies. The movie with the fastest characters is the slowest <laughs> I don't know. Dash is probably faster than the cars. Maybe I don't know. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it depends um, what's on the radio. The uh, the the box that the Buzz Lightyear uh, comes in is such a great box. Yeah, like a really cool box. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that when they sell the when the movies come out and they sell the toys in stores, they recreated that box. I love seeing this is like we we were introduced with Woody being a man of control, being the leader, and now he's like he's got his this confidence back where he's like, all right, we can make a plan, we can make shift a plan with all these new toys and everything, and have everything going. I kind of like that Duck Pez head, head bodybuilder guy. Yeah, he's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I like that one, that design a lot. I like that they all know how to communicate with each other. Like obviously they're supposed to, but I mean just seeing that in action is very cool to me. And again, I, it just makes me. And I, I don't think anyone necessarily hates Sid, but I mean, you're certainly like you look at him as a character that's, you know, he he's not the adorable character in the same way that Andy is and the way he treats his toys. But you look at these toy creations and sure, you can see, a, you know, the a malice to their creation or whatnot, but they're very creative for a child to do. To very creative. He, he's also the kid I didn't want touching my toys when I was a kid. <laughs> it's interesting. This movie doesn't really have a villain. Yeah, it doesn't vilify anybody. It it's yeah. certainly has less desirable scenarios to be in. But, right. But compared to, you know, you have Kel Segrera, you have Ned Beatty in the sequels that are definitely villainous characters. Right. Where this one is, yeah, it's more about the, the villain. Woody is the most antagonistic character in this film, and he just has to learn something. <laughs> right. Just trying to be a toy in a human's world. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I mean, strange, strange things are happening to him. You got to give him a minute to figure it out. <laughs> this sets the template for almost every Pixar movie ending with a crazy chase sequence. Um, and ironically, one of the better ones is the second, you know, uh, A Bug's Life. Um, maybe not better in terms of scale and what have you, but as someone who merely likes that movie, I think the rain-soaked chase sequence in that is awesome. It, that one I look at as having, like, the most maliciousness in it. Like, I got, because I think Kevin, well, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey plays is, an R-rated character. He's the most terrifying of the villains in Pixar yeah. films. Like, easily. I mean, <laughs> even, I mean more, even more so Even now. more so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Gosh. Gosh. What he was going to do to oh. that dot. Oh, my God. But, uh, you, have you watched Seven lately? Because <laughs> he was so charming beforehand. Have you watched K-Pax recently? I don't know. but um... <laughs> Nobody's watched K-Pax recently. That's just silly. Oh, I'm sure Kino's got something coming or something for K-Pax. <laughs> Uh-oh. Beyond the Sea takes on a whole new life. Mm-hmm. Uh... Anyway, back on track. Um, I yeah. like. I think this Mon- is a children's film. I think the Monsters Inc. finale is pretty incredible as far as chases go because yes. of the use of the doors and that that whole environment. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, oh ima- yeah, imagination wise, that's like wow. Yeah, that's probably the most creative offhand. And I, I always thought that would make a terrific uh, theme park attraction. I mean, it's yeah. the, the the ride they established at um at California Adventure. I really like. I uh, on and it's I a very good ride. Yeah. I, it's a really good ride. But I, I always thought like a roller coaster mm-hmm. where you're like in the doors. And if they could somehow use screens to make it look like you're going, it could be pretty cool. But so many of these Pixar movies have become rides, some better thought out and constructed than others. But the Toy Story one is like the best one. The whole um... yeah, Toy Story Carnival game is excellent. Um, And the new Slinky Dog coaster is a really, really good uh, family coaster. I love all of this, by the way. <laughs> this is so much fun seeing these toys come to life to, to like scare Sid. It's so like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's so creative in how they like manage to do it. <laughs> no oh. one's gonna believe Sid if he tells him. Mm-hmm. It's Sid. Also, the bit coming up at the end where like they're celebrating, he's like, "We did it." We... That's one of my other favorite moments of this movie. <laughs> it's just funny to see them all celebrating for a brief period of time. This head turn also kills me. <laughs> 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 so good. Ooh. Scary. His arms are flailing about. It's like a Barry Goldberg run. Right here. We did it. Because, like, Woody's animation is so hilarious. Like, his, because he has these little arms. <laughs> like, they're so thin. And his legs. So he's just, like, his big head. It just, he's a... There's a lot of physical comedy they get out of Woody, which is, I think, why you can also hurt him and makes it always funny to me. He's so lanky. Yeah, he's, he's just this, like, big lanky guy. Well, I mean, Sid, you know, it, things worked out. He became a garbage truck driver, so. Yeah, it's implied that, you know, he had a, he got married, had kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, and frankly, I mean, it's not the most prestigious job, but last I checked, they're paid pretty well. In this economy, to have a job, that's all it takes. <laughs> Damn right, they should be paid well. If you're waste management, that should be a high-paying job. If you're doing, I agree. Well, it is. I mean, it's part oh, of it. he's stuck. The rocket. Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm encapsulated by the drama of right. the moment. There's the AA113 license plate on the car. Yes. Another key reference in all Pixar films. 
And I believe each Pixar film has some uh, Easter egg or, or nod to what the next film they're working on is. I'm not sure if this one did because it was so early on, but that's something they do going forward. I'm sure there's like a bug somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah. there it is in the tree. <laughs> oh, here comes the dog. <laughs> Buzz is an animal abuser. <laughs> Self-defense. Yeah. Got it. Uh Uh-oh. It's so, like, when I I watch this or I watch, like, A Bug's Life, it's so, like, interesting to me to watch, like, the backgrounds and how much different things would be if they made these movies today. Where, like, everything's so plain and there's there's nothing on the ground and there's no, like... You know, watch Incredibles 2 versus, like, Incredibles, and you're like, there's people everywhere. Every scene has, like, so much stuff in the background, and everything's going on, and it just feels like so, like, like a lived-in world. That's not a negative on the film or anything. It's just more like, wow, you can really see how the changes would be. Um, I, I don't know if we were recording. I think it was before we were recording when you mentioned that how surprised you were that the budget for this was only $30 million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they spend $150, $200 million on these Pixar movies. And in these types of movies, you have to imagine a good majority of that's going to salaries because they have whole departments now that their like whole job is hair or textures or crowds yeah. um, that they probably couldn't uh, afford or do at, at this time and didn't have the rendering power in their computers. Um, but, I mean, every detail has its own department, and that's all they're focusing on. I actually have a friend who right. works at Pixar, and he's done like he was on the team that did Meredith's hair, and he did the suckers for Hank's... Uh, arms in in uh finding dory he just gets these really specific jobs and just works on those so closely and that's sort of mind-blowing is how each element you're looking at on the screen is being worked on by a different department and then it's all finally coming together when they they, they piece it all together it also works towards not this is necessarily a reason but it works towards why the cast of these movies can be, you know, actors that aren't on the, you know, the top tier A list because you can put that budget towards other things instead of getting Brad Pitt. Um, you can, you know, put all of the money towards the salaries of the many, many departments that work on the animation and on the things that, you know, matter more to the quality of the film outside of who you hear while watching it. Oh, that said, I'm sure Megamind cost like tons of money also and, you know, did whatever. <laughs> I don't think Brad Pitt would be that good of a voice actor. I don't know. And yet he's done it twice in DreamWorks <laughs> movies. Because <laughs> we all watch Sinbad all the time, right, guys? Sinbad of the Legend of the Seven Seas. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. I, I don't like that dog, but I, I love dogs. I'm glad he didn't get hurt. What? They threw Woody out. Oh. Wait, no, four. He's in Happy Feet 2, I believe, also with Matt Damon. So, you know, he's got... Yeah, I've never seen that. HF2? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How is this RC car going faster than the real cars? Maxwell, did you see them put the turbo setting on? (laughs) I did, but... That's that's why. Suspension of disbelief. That's Sorry. why the que- the question isn't holy crap the toys are talking it's <laughs> that car. No. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, they're in a residential neighborhood. The truck can't be going that fast. That's a good point. This this whole thing has only been like thirty seconds of, of real lifetime. Yeah. Oh man, it's the first Toy Story he's gonna die moment. I'm sure this has to exist, but I'd love to see a video called like Toy Story but in real life, and it's just someone like filming their toys doing these same things. <laughs> 
I want to search that now because that actually okay, sounds hilarious here, to here me. Here comes Slinky Dog to the rescue. Here it is. Here's the look. Where he's like, he's got him. It's working. He's going to stretch out. Oh. You're going to hold him. The batteries. Ugh. Oh, no. Huge. And they're listening to Akuna Matata. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Why not? Kid gets it. This is an excellent sequence. Right here. The yeah. look on, on Slinky's face. Where he's like, you can't hold on. It's sad. Oh. <laughs> What's that bodybuilder guy's name? Carl. Okay. I don't know if that's right. I'll stick, but with, I'll stick with I that. think it works. That works. <laughs> works for me. What's next for Pixar? Obviously, Toy Story 4 is like the next one. Is there something Toy else? Toy Story 4. Is there like another uh, Yeah. Uh... When I was at the D23 Expo last year, um, it doesn't have a title yet, but it's like a a suburban fantasy. Okay. Where it's place in the suburbs, but there's also like a magical fantasy world, and, and the, the brief footage they showed was pretty impressive. I haven't heard much more about it since then, but I know they're working on that. Oh, I see. It's a Dan Scanlon film. Okay. Yes. Just, yes. He came out and talked about it. He did Monsters U. It is neat to see, like, you know, the team members at Tixar and how they've gone up, you know, and seeing, like, ones that were, like, working on lower tiers of these and are directing some of these. I mean, you look at, like, Lee Unkirk, who was starting in Pixar, then he did Toy Story 3, then he did Coco, which I think is spectacular. And it's like, man, it's, it's great to see, like, that the... The quality has continued um, in the in the years since. It's not just like it's not just reliant on Andrew Stanton to save the day all the time, or or just Pete Doctor films. It's like the other the well, I, members. I, I think like the what I think are the best companies is they foster their talent and recognize them, and 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 then at, at, from starting out in smaller positions, give them the opportunities to take lead on on various projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, from my experience, that's the best way to, to do business is give someone a shot, teach them, and if they show that they have the chops, give them the opportunity and they can soar like so many of these guys have. Something I don't tend to check on is how many of the people that do the shorts uh, move on to like bigger and greater things. So I know I, many don't seem to, and I know some don't have the best relationship with Pixar, and that's why they don't. Um, but uh, there's... There's certainly a lot of talent that comes out of these, you know, studios or whatnot. And I, you know. Oh, they're flying, but they've gone too far. <laughs> it is, Scott. You are right. Like the, the kind of the back and forth dialogue that recall, like the following, yeah. following with style stuff. Like it really, it's, it really hits. <laughs> it's a hard fist pump sequence. Yeah. Because oh. right, you're so engaged, you want both. You're they're all they're together. They, yes, they're they, working together. They're winning together and, because aw. they're together. And you, as an audience member, are like, yeah, they've they've settled any difference that they may have, and now you just yes. want them to achieve the goal, which is get back to Andy, and they do so in the most ultimate way possible by flying into the damn sunroof of the car next to him. And Andy's like, I'm stupid, but whatever. I saw my I saw my toys now. Apparently, I, I didn't I didn't realize that they I didn't realize that they weren't in the box right next to me until just now. Can I just say that I love that the code names for the army mans are Frankincense. This is myrrh. It's <laughs> so funny. Uh, you think board games come to life? Oh God! 
Well, they were playing the the games were playing the toys were playing Battleship earlier. Yeah, but do you think the Battleships think about it? Uh, maybe they're like, we could do it, but let's not. Is it the Battleship or the pegs or the ships that are coming to life, or is it the full board? I mean, it the the nature of all this is very. Uh... I mean, if the if the speak and spell can come to life, I don't see why the well, like the, the board games and the can. barrel of monkeys can come to life. It's like, what? Yeah. Where, where's our limits here, guys? <laughs> do the, all the monopoly pieces come to life? Does the thimble come to life? Does it have millions of eyes? Oh, that's scary. <laughs> millions. Millions of <laughs> eyes. I hope that's the villain in Toy Story 4, the thimble from Monopoly. Oh my god. <laughs> it's voiced by... If you're listening to this, Pixar, don't do that. And that's a movie. Ralph Eggleston. Oh, Lee Unkrich was an editor. Look at that. What a white last deep, name that is. Deep doctor, <laughs> deep doctor, supervising animator. Uh-huh. Karen Robert Jackson. Interesting. Lyle Lovett also performed a lot. Okay. Oh, that's right. Andrew Stanton. Yeah. Pete Doctor. I wonder where Jeff Pigeon is these days. Uh, he's probably still working on For the Birds 2, a new Pixar short. Yeah. <laughs> Bud Lucky. That's a that's a name in there. Oh, Ken oh, Willard passed away. Oh, Steven Seagal was on this movie. Yeah. I'm doing my best to see these names like as quick as I can to see if I have any ones that stick out. Andrew about Schmidt. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Les Major. <clears throat> Next to Lee Major. Monique Hodgkinson. Interesting. I don't know who that is. Andrew Stanton again in character designs. I, I'm, I'd be curious to know what uh, level of involvement Steve Jobs had with all this. Probably just looked at storyboards like, that sounds cool. El Magnifico. Looked at the, <laughs> looked at the, uh, the hardware that they're using to make some of this stuff. It's like, yeah, you can use the, the new processors. Good. Yeah. I mean, he did, there's a whole other story we can talk about with Steve Jobs, but he, like... He he is very much the reason this exists. <laughs> like this. Oh yeah. Oh look, Jonas Rivera, production office assistant. He um didn't he co-direct Coco? No, no that that's um because I, I I sat with him at the, the, the award ceremony thing. Um, what's his face? Like of course now it doesn't come up right away. Uh. <laughs> Keep reading names. There's Tim Holland. <laughs> oh, Jonas Rivera uh, produced Inside Out and is producing... Adrian uh, Molina. There we go. Sorry. Is producing Toy Story 4. Uh-huh. Hakuna Makata, music by Elton John, lyrics by Tim Rice. Don Davis worked on the music here from the from the Matrix. Hmm. He's getting his CG fix on right now. Exactly, yeah. It was a practice run. That is impressive, though, to go from a production office assistant to... Uh, Producing Inside Out and Toy Story 4. That's how you do it. Chris, yeah, Chris Pine was like a gopher at Paramount before he became Chris Pine. 
Bill Hader with uh, PA on collateral damage. Yeah, now he's a hitman. Great show. Yeah. That is a good show. He murders people. That's in real life, he does. Oh, guys, the video game and CD-ROM is available from Disney Interactive. That was a good video game. Oh, Toy Story. what's a CD-ROM? <laughs> yeah. Toy Story was a good video game. It, lo- it looked great. Like, it was a good, like, they really did a good job of, and of bringing And, by the way, ToyStory.com still works. <laughs> I mean, it's been updated now and shows Toy Story 3 and all that stuff, but you can still go there. I was gonna the say. CD-ROM came with a 30-second video. It was nice. Took Took forever to load, but it's good. Yeah, take that floppy. Well, that was Toy Story, guys. <laughs> yes, it is. 121 minutes of joy. <laughs> Sorry, an hour and 21 minutes of joy. <laughs> um, really, still a fantastic. Yeah, to state thing. the obvious, still holds up. It really does. Yeah, no, that movie just works. Like it, it does everything it needs to do. It's a lot of fun. Good everything. Does it work uh, from nine to five, or what a way to make a living? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, that's been our Toy Story commentary. Um, I had fun. I hope you guys had fun. hope you listeners had fun. I did, too. I had a great time. As we uh, wrap things up, where can people find more of your... uh, Where can people find more of your guys' work online? Let's start with uh, with, uh, Brandon. Uh, You can find um, my typed words at whysoblue.com. And then uh, my podcast called Cinema Cavalcade, which is called cinemacavalcade.com. We're currently doing... We do a thankful... For a month, and this one we're doing uh, Linnea Quigley, the, the movie star, and we have Murder Weapon up. Our next one is Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, and we will actually be talking about Linnea Quigley's horror workout video with Linnea Quigley on the last one of it. So it's pretty cool. So yeah, check us out. Uh, Scott Middleson. I write for Forbes.com, and that's where I am found. I'm boring. <laughs> And uh, Maxwell added. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell and uh, go see American Sun on Broadway playing now and go see Be More Chill on Broadway starting in February. Uh, you can find me at the Code of Zeke, Wheel of Entertainment, on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. You can find our podcast everywhere you can find podcasts, including Stitcher and Spotify, which is fun to point out now as well. And uh, yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, you know, all that stuff. All that's all good. Uh, thanks anybody for listening. Thank you, Maxwell, Scott, and Brandon for joining me for this Toy Story commentary. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you. That's gonna do it for this uh, this commentary track for Toy Story. Tune in for all our regular episodes and our next commentary in December. But until next you time, so long and me. goodbye. Thanks for all the fish. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am. Big and stronger too, maybe, but none of them will ever love you the way I do. It's me and you, boy, and as the years go by, a friendship will never die. You're gonna see it's our destiny. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me You got a friend in me